0: Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he, starts. Starts. he scores. He scores. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied. Here is a ramp
1: moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes. He With one second
0: remaining. Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pickin' Pod
2: on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to Pickin' Pod, WFUV's NBA podcast. We've got a lot to break down, starting off with a local trade. But first, my name's Jack Roach, here with Thomas Quigley and William Jing. Break is coming to a wrap. We're heading back to campus. Fingers crossed, hopefully going back to studio. I want to start off with just Asking you guys, how's your break going so far?
1: My break's been pretty good. Um, Very quiet. Just a lot of uh, not doing really anything like most people are right now. So um, it's been refreshing, uh, especially after finals. Finals were tough, tougher than most years, I feel like, with, like, the transition back to in-person. Just felt like, I don't know, a little bit more workload than I was expecting. So it's been nice to relax. um, But definitely looking forward. To going back to the Bronx, hopefully having a somewhat normal semester and getting back into the FUV station?
0: Yeah, I mean, personally for me, I I mean, it was my first semester last semester. So it was really just – it just knocked me out basically that semester. So I needed this break a lot. And, I mean, it, it was pretty chill for me too. But, yeah, I'm also hoping to – it's funny because the break, I feel like on one hand – it did go by really fast and on a, mm-hmm. on another hand it went by really slow cuz like there wasn't it wasn't as much action things to do as like during the school year no. so but i mean if we since the school year is rolling back around like I, I listen i don't think anyone would mind more you know time on break but if we're going back to school i hope it's on campus and i hope we can you know resume doing things as normal
2: yeah i don't know if i could put up with another virtual semester especially with quigs and i we're seniors we're on our way out i don't mind i can't do that i i do not want to as much as i love talking to you guys from the comfort of my bedroom i, I want to talk about basketball in studio you know what what, what beats that
0: yeah well
2: yeah. <laughs> we've got a trade to break down we're starting local the new york knicks have acquired cam reddish and solomon hill as well as a future second round pick in exchange for a protected first round pick that they got from Charlotte and Kevin Knox, uh, a guy that I don't think uh, too many Knicks fans are, are heartbroken over. But this is what seems to be the first of, of many trades to come, not just for these two teams, but league wide were, you know, rapidly approaching this trade deadline and you take a look at these two teams the Knicks are 21 and 21 11th in the Eastern Conference not quite you know keeping up to the beat of of what they accomplished last year and you know 10 games above 500 in that shortened season they get that that piece you know a wing piece that it seems they've been looking for I want to start with you Quigs how much does this improve the Knicks roster and you know, do you think that they're done with this move or are they going to continue to add?
1: It's interesting. There are a lot of different ways that the Knicks could go from here. Um, I think it does make them better. I mean, what in, in what they lost, Kevin Knox wasn't really part of their future. Never really panned out in New York, kind of had pretty high expectations and never really lived up to them. And that usually doesn't go over well with the New York crowd. So I don't think they'll miss him too much as far as the New York fans go. Um, And, you know, the Knicks got this deal done. They get a great young player in Cam Reddish who uh, they didn't end up actually seeing in the playoffs. He was out for that series um, between these two teams, that first round series in which the Hawks kind of dominated the Knicks, um, which a lot of people didn't expect. But, um, you know, now the Knicks have, a lot of young players. They didn't really have to give up a lot of those important, impactful young players um, in order to get this deal done, which I think is a huge win for them. And uh, Cam Reddish. I mean, he's he's a guy that has super, or maybe not superstar, but definitely star potential. Uh, right now, he kind of just lacks consistency in his few, first, you know, few years uh, as an NBA player. Uh, but he definitely have a he definitely has a lot of potential. And for the Knicks, you know, they're also a team that we saw their potential last, last season. And obviously they haven't exactly grown on it uh, yet. And they're kind of struggling right now, but I mean, this is a young team that if you add a guy like Cam Reddish, who obviously you're going to have to figure out his contract pretty soon, but if you end up winning big in this trade, I mean, it looks phenomenal. Um, but if they end up maybe not even being able to resign him after this year, um, let him walk, and you give up Kevin Knox. I mean, you could have saved them for another trade. I don't think Kevin Knox was ever going to be a big part of the Knicks, um, regardless. So, I think no matter what, the Knicks kind of look good in this trade, um, and it just really—I don't think it will necessarily turn their season around. I think that this the season's kind of going to be another one of their seasons last year, where maybe they're they're kind of floating around 500. Um, I mean, we haven't seen uh, a lot of their stars this year play to uh, specifically uh, Julius Randle play to the ability that they were last year. Um, So, I mean, maybe it'll, it'll jumpstart the offense. It's interesting to see him cam Reddish now um, with RJ Barrett, because they were college teammates at Duke. Um, So I think it'll be interesting to watch, uh, but I don't think the Knicks can necessarily, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's much room for them to lose this trade. I think they've already basically, Uh, won it even if the Hawks aren't necessarily losing it I think the Knicks definitely made a good move here
0: yeah I think for both teams it's a fairly even trade I mean I think that we can say that Cam Reddish has more value more upside than Kevin Knox and Solomon Hill who I believe is I mean he's been around the league forever he's kind of just bounced around as a role player I think I mean I agree with that, you know, the Knicks aren't going to get that much better just because of the fact that, I mean, Cam Reddish is not a star. He We all, you know, people were talking about his potential when he was coming out of Duke, you know, where he played with R.J. Barrett. But the Knicks, I think their, their main problem is just more based on what they have now. And I don't think that Cam Reddish is going to solve that. If they want to make a trade that's really going to turn around their season, it's going to have to be for, you know, a big-name guy. It's not going to come from, you know, Cam Reddish. But, I mean, again, they, um, they gave up not too much, right? They gave up, I think you said, a perfect uh, protected first rounder. so. I think there's no way that they lost this trade, but it could end up being just like a meaningless trade. And I think they have, you know, a lot more to do as the trade deadline approaches, you know, which is, you know, as we approach the trade deadline, we, that's where we hear all these, you know, bigger trades start to go down.
2: Yeah, you mentioned that, you know, Cam Reddish situation at, at Duke. And I feel like potential, we, we've been talking about that, you know, he, he didn't necessarily live up to his expectations at Duke. You know, he comes in with Zion and RJ. And those three guys, I think, were the top three, you know, high school recruits going to college. Then they all team up together. And, of course, you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed and not everyone's going to get their shot. But he hasn't really taken that leap forward in uh, Atlanta that we were expecting and Quiggs you mentioned like his his consistency and I remember seeing him play the Nets early in the season they beat the Nets and he he put up I want to say like 25 points and he really is a good scorer and I think that if given the right opportunity on the Knicks he can make a, a pretty significant impact but you look at the Hawks they're 17 and 23 right now and You know, this isn't where they expected to be. They get rid of Cam Reddish, and you know, it's it's been expected that they're going to make a move. Um, they were gonna get rid of him to clear cap space. And is there anyone right now that the the Hawks could could take on? Because I see a team like you know, the 76ers who are playing well, eight and two in their last 10. I think that if they can take some of you know Atlanta's good players give up Ben Simmons, fill that cap space that they just cleared. I mean, I'm just thinking here, are there any other targets that Atlanta might be trying to, to pick up or am I just reading into this too much?
1: I think that's definitely a possibility. But right now, I mean, the Hawks, the situation that they found themselves in is that they just had too many young players. They rolled the dice on them this year because they got to the Eastern Conference Finals last year and it didn't really pan out. So I think they are going to start to look to at least a bigger name uh, definitely someone more established um, for their future if if there's going to be another trade looming for the Hawks so that would be very interesting to see Um, I mean obviously we've seen Ben Simmons just on the sideline the entire year uh, and the Sixers would love nothing more than to get something out of him being on their roster so um, I don't know what that would include maybe it's uh, Bogdanovich Uh, I mean there's a lot of Good young players, John Collins, uh, on the Hawks right now. Obviously, Trey Young's untouchable, so they wouldn't ever go there, but it would be pretty cool to see Trey Young and Ben Simmons on the court together. I feel like that would be an interesting um, little combo there because obviously they're both guards, but drastically different players, drastically different builds. So uh, they might complement each other nice. Um, I think, I mean, obviously. Well, we're gonna get into it a little bit later. Uh, Damian Lillard definitely a trade talk, or definitely in trade talks. Obviously, he doesn't want to leave Portland. He's made that clear, but Portland sucks right now, so they might be trying to—I don't know—change that. Maybe change something in the organization. Um, so, I mean, obviously, Damian Lillard just—you know—it was announced very recently uh, that he will be undergoing surgery, and we'll get into that later. But um, you know, maybe that's a name that gives that's thrown around because with this Hawks team uh, it's not just for this year that they're building for, it's for the years to come because they have so many young players.
0: Yeah. You just mentioned Damian Lillard. I don't think that the Hawks would necessarily target him just because they already have Trey Young, right. but I think Ben Simmons is somebody that's versatile position wise. You can, you can basically slot him anywhere one to four if need be. And you can, I mean, maybe not at the two, but basically anything else is, I mean, it'll work out. And obviously, like you said, Trey Young and Ben Simmons has really contrasting play styles. The only obstacle I see to Ben Simmons going to the Hawks, though, is I don't think that the Sixers are going to be willing to give up Ben Simmons for anything less than Trey Young because they've already it's known. Basically, we've heard all this news about the Sixers are looking for, you know, somebody that's like at least somewhat of a big name to go there if they're going to give up Ben Simmons and although I do think it would help them just to give him up anyway. I don't think that the Sixers GM is just going to be willing to do that. I think he's just going to try for more, at least up until the trade deadline. But I think in terms of if the Hawks could land Ben Simmons, I definitely think it could help them because Trey Young, I mean, we don't know what his ceiling is because he's developing so fast. You know him and Luca Doncic as part of the, that same draft class. They're both going to be you know stars for the next decade or so. So the Hawks definitely have time. And you know if the Hawks can keep some you know some of their players like you mentioned, like Bogdanovich and John Collins, if they can keep some of them and add Ben Simmons to that somehow, you know that would really help because Ben Simmons is now able to you know get into the paint and do what he does, and you don't have to worry too much about clogging up the paint when you have somebody like trey young and then you have bogdanovich that's not going to be as much of a concern as it as it is uh maybe in philadelphia where he's you know the point guard and then you have you know other bigs who i mean joe B. yeah he's out of the perimeter a lot but he really thrives in the post
2: yeah i i i see like what the sixers are doing right now and they you know they act like they have the you know the power in this situation but I just don't understand it. Like, I, I'm going to need your guys' help here because there are – I can say that the Nets are better than them. I can say the Bucks are better than them. And then the Bulls and the Heat have a better record than them. They're probably in the same tier, right? But <laughs> I just I just don't understand it. Like, Embiid could go down at any moment, right? And that's kind of like their, their guy on this team. I mean, they're shopping Tobias Harris right now. I don't understand how they're just – not doing anything with Ben Simmons. It's not like his, his value is like skyrocketing, you know, like what are the Sixers doing here? I feel like uh, Atlanta given this move right now could, could be an ideal trade partner.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's Daryl Morey. He's just, he he drives a hard bargain always has when he was with the Rockets. I mean, made some huge trades and uh, free agent splashes there um, with, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook, uh, Chris Paul, James Harden, even um, we're going dating back to like, what, like eight years now. Um, but so obviously the the 76ers brought him in because they knew that. And with this trade, no matter what, if you're the Sixers, you're obviously you are not, um, you know, the one with the reins because you have a guy who doesn't want to play for your team. Uh, it's just, just about the worst situation you could be in um, because he's also a superstar or at least a big name star in the NBA, not a superstar. Definitely not a superstar. Let me, let me, let me just X that out. I never, I, I want, I want that on the record Ben Simmons is not a superstar.
2: And I did yes, not say that. That's crazy.
1: He's not a superstar. He's a superstar.
2: Um, yeah, I want to hear what, well, well, do you think he's but, a
0: superstar? No, but no, uh, absolutely he's not. He's such a superstar. He's not, he's so. not, he's
2: not.
1: <laughs> no, and I feel really stupid for saying that, but um, no, I mean, he, he, he's obviously a huge name guy. He had a very bad playoff series, but he's a great player. And the fact that he doesn't want to play for your team puts you at a huge disadvantage. But I mean, I don't know if you're the Sixers right now, you have to look like you aren't weak right now, because then any team could just be like, all right, your player, like I, I don't see how like general managers would really be considering to go along with this kind of like charade that, uh, that Maury is playing here saying that Ben Simmons is worth Say a Trey Young, which he would never be. I mean, right now, Trey Young has a, a, an immense potential. Uh, is a fantastic guard. Uh, he's undersized, obviously, but um, he he uh, adds a lot more value. I think than Ben Simmons right now. Um, so you know, we'll see. But uh, I think that would be an interesting trade. Um, and hey, maybe you should be the general managers of the 76ers.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you we did bring up Dame earlier and. In- As you were talking, the wheels were kind of turning in my head, and I'm thinking maybe if Daryl Morey does continue to, you know, demand a lot in exchange for Ben Simmons, maybe a three-team trade could work out where Dame goes to the Sixers, Ben Simmons goes to the Hawks, and the Hawks give somebody to Portland. But then again, I think Portland's going to get the short end of the stick there because they're giving up, you know, a top, what top three point guard in exchange for I don't know who they're going to get from the Hawks that. Um, would match the value of Damian Lillard, but then again, also we're talking about the Sixers. I'm kind of wondering because Daryl Morey—it's not the first time we've seen the situation. He had this with Harden in Houston, where you know he had to kind of settle for something that wasn't exactly the greatest package in exchange for James Harden. And now he's kind of dealing with a similar thing. Ben Simmons doesn't want to play in Philly. James Harden didn't uh, want to play in Houston. So, I mean, he. But then again, he has done some you know uh he has made some good deals in the past with you know getting James Harden from the Thunder and you know getting Russell Westbrook so but he always just seems to be like right there with his team but he can't catapult his team to that championship contender level or I mean he almost had it with the Rockets but they never really got there so that also kind of begs the question is is just Daryl Morey that's been put in bad situations or is he just a B plus GM?
2: That's all right. Let let's just stick with the the trade talk. Let's stick with (laughs) We can get into that. Because I'm having fun with this. And you know, Quiggs, you mentioned Damian Lillard, he had a successful abdominal surgery. He's gonna be reevaluated in five to six weeks. We don't really know what's you know um, what's gonna happen after that, but we know he's gonna miss a decent amount of time. And well, I really like that three team trade because Let's be real. The Trailblazers, I I think they've they've reached their potential. This is I mean, this was supposed to be the year for them. And then Damian Lillard has arguably the worst season of his career. The team's 16 and 24 right now. And you've got two assets, right? You've got Damian Lillard and you've got C.J. McCollum. And I really like the I've always been kind of pushing for them to to get Ben Simmons because it helps them you get a good player but also you you in a sense rebuild because you've got a young stud right and they desperately need youth I like that three-team trade a lot because even though Dame's gonna miss time the Sixers eventually get a guy who's had postseason success and also when he's healthy is probably you know top three-point guard in the league you know you can't definitively put anyone above him, in my eyes, than, you know, Steph Curry. That's it. But he struggled this year. So I'm just, I don't really have a point to make. I don't have, like, a, this is what I'm trying to say. But I just want to see him get traded because, I mean, what? I mean right now they're the 10th seed in the West. I mean, they're barely a playing team. That's, I don't know. Do you think he ends up on the Sixers? Do you like Will's proposal, Quicks? I mean, I,
1: I, I think it, it's just a crazy trade. It was probably just too crazy that it would just never happen. A three-team trade in which you see both Ben Simmons and uh, Damian Lillard leave their teams. I mean, obviously one wants to leave desperately and one wants to stay desperately for some reason. But the fact that Damian Lillard really loves the city of Portland, has played there his entire career, and really seems set on making it work there. I don't think that we're going to see him leave uh, or play in any other uniform as long as he has, you know, the ability to completely control his destiny, which obviously he has right now because he's such an elite talent. Um, So, I mean, I don't don't see him leaving, uh, but it does feel like we're kind of wasting his prime right now. Like we as a society um, with him just, you know, on a a Trailblazers team that really – can never get past the first round and probably won't even see the playoffs this
0: year. Yeah. I think Portland has honestly failed to build around Damian Lillard. They had, you know, when he was coming in, they had him, LaMarcus Solidridge. They had, you know, I think a few other pieces I'm forgetting exactly who, but oh, I still remember, you know, Dame's Wesley buzzer Matthews. beater against, yeah. Wesley Matthews. There you go. Nicholas Batum, mm-hmm. you know, they were able to, you know, beat the Rockets in that, you know, one year where Dame hit that, I think it was in six games. And that was kind of where they peaked and they never really got back there, even though Dame is, con- you know, continuously with the exception of this year, you know, just kind of gotten better and better. And, you know, although, you know, sympathizing with Damian Lillard, you know, if he wants to stay, you know, I'd be fine with to see him stay. But at the same time, it's like, this man is so good. And, you know, just like the you could tell by the way he acts and like he's genuinely, he just needs to – if he could just switch teams to someplace with other pieces, he could genuinely like he could easily be a part of a championship team.
2: Oh yeah, hundred percent. But but here's what I think because even if he wants to stay, it, it's up to the GM, right? Like I remember remember how heartbroken. DeMarco you think the GM? You think
1: the GM of the Trailblazers has more power over the Trailblazers' moves than Damian Lillard? I mean, I don't.
0: Yes. Of course. I mean, it's a business.
1: Right. To the same time, Damian Lillard is the the Blazers. Like, I don't think – like, you could say maybe Clyde Drexler is the only other Portland Trailblazer that, like, comes to mind. But this is Damian Lillard's team. It's Damian Lillard's town. He is –
2: okay. And you know what their record is? 16-24. and They suck. They're not a very good basketball team, and he just got hurt. And they're going to be even worse. Like – I just think that at a certain point, the team has to open up their eyes and say, what's the future here? Like Dame and CJ aren't getting any younger. They're capped out. They're not getting a star in free agency. So what are you going to do? Like, I, do you think CJ McCollum, because the money works, but is he enough to get a guy like Ben Simmons? Is he enough I'm of an not asset? Really sure. Oh, Daryl's saying. Because he's pretty yeah, I mean, I'm
0: a, really not sure. He's just like a better Seth Curry, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, he's a little more than that, I would say. Yeah, I guess
2: that's not fair. But it's a similar player type. Um, I just... I feel like the Trailblazers have a tough decision to make because they've just got, you know, and... I don't know. They're just not very good, and they need to make a move. But... I'm going to switch it up. I'm, I'm going to move it back to the East because there's a team that has gotten their point guard back. I remember a while ago, there was talk about who's the best point guard, John Wall, Damian Lillard, or Kyrie Irving. Half and, of Kyrie Irving. Huh? Half of Kyrie Irving. Half of Kyrie Irving. Well, what I will say is that today, Woj said that there's real optimism within the next organization that Kyrie Irving Will become a full-time player at some point this season, and there were like theories tossed around that they were going to like pay fines to get around it, but not allowed. Can't happen. The only way that he plays in New York is if he gets vaccinated. And I, I love James Harden. Last night, they said he uh, he would give Kyrie the shot himself, which you know, if it was, I- I'd love to see that. That would be awesome, but. Last night they beat the best team record wise in the Eastern Conference in the Chicago Bulls. They win pretty handily, close out a game in strong fashion, 138 to 112. And I think last night was probably the best game of the season for the Nets. You saw what, you know, what they can be when they're at full strength. And you know, I know you'll call this out, Quiggs, because that full strength is only half the games. But when they are at full strength, do you guys think that the Nets are the best team in the Eastern Conference? Yes.
1: That's not that's not a hard that's not a hard question to answer. Yes, of course. I mean, the East isn't extreme. Obviously, you know, we saw them take care of the Bulls last night. The Bulls have been playing really good. That was only their second loss in the last what, 12 games? Like were they 10 and two during that stretch? I mean they've been unbelievable, and I mean the way that Demar Derozan, Zach Lavine have been playing this season is is really awesome, especially because they've never played with each other before. But um, this Nets team obviously is handily the best team. They have a big three. They're all they are all genuine NBA like all stars, borderline superstars, if not already superstars. Borderline, or Border- borderline in that like. If you're going to say that there's five superstars in the NBA, the, the Nets only have one. Of
0: them. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe the Bucks would also be in that conversation. But, you know, if you bring Kyrie back full time, if they do find a way to do that, I, I think they're definitively the best team. Because, I mean, look, they almost beat the Bucs in that, you know, Eastern Conference, I think it was final series last year. That's without James Harden, right? Because I actually went to game one. I saw James Harden go down in the first two minutes. And, you know, that was a disappointment, you know, because, you know, we obviously want an exciting series. But, you know, you put Harden in that mix, that's like, well, a top 10 player in the NBA, you know, arguably in some people's eyes, he's going to be top five. So they're arguably three of the clutchest players in the league as well. So you put all three together at the same time. Listen, Giannis is a great player, but I don't. I don't know how how much you can do against that. And I think at that point, you know, it's really just, is it the Nets or is it going to be the Warriors or the Suns coming out, you know, with the chip?
1: But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Nets just had their biggest win of the season, right? I mean, they desperately needed it. They had lost the last three games. I think they were lost like four or six. They beat the best team in the East by 30 points. I mean, that's a hand, handily won game right there against the best team your best competition. I mean, other than the bucks and still the biggest headline is that Kyrie might be able to play hundred percent of the games. He might be able to, there's optimism and that optimism, whether it's him getting the vaccine or whether it's just hoping the case is lower. I mean, it's still such a, dis- I mean, it's a distraction off the court, of course, on the court, Everybody's excited because Kyrie's back and it's, you know, he's playing well. He's playing amazing for a guy who's, you know, taken the entire first half of the season off, um, you know, by choice. But uh, the fact that we're still talking about his vaccinated status, the fact that he might play a playoff series in which he can only play three or four games, I mean, probably three because the Nets are so good. They'll probably get home court advantage at least until the conference finals. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a great winning formula, but at the same time, they're really good on the court and there's no team that really can – I would take over them, at least in the East, in just a one-game, one-off game. But that's not what the playoffs are, especially when you have a player that's you know kind of huge. I mean, they don't really need Kyrie to win, but Kyrie makes them a championship contender. And the fact that he can only play half the games – it's just still it's, it's until it's figured out It's going to be just a thing that haunts them throughout the entire season.
2: Yeah, they, they also need Joe Harris back because I don't know if you guys have seen the net shooting splits like with Harris and without them, but they have like the best three point percentage with him. And since he's gotten hurt, I think they're like 28th in the league, which is not good when you have guys like Kevin Durant and James Harden, who both are, you know, elite shooters. Um, so he makes a huge impact on the team. And I don't know. I just think if you're the Nets, you're lucky to get whatever Kyrie you can. Because I remember I was in the press conference with GM Sean Marks when he was talking about the decision to bring him back. And, you know, they, they cited how guys have gone down with injury, they were going through that COVID um, you know, outbreak, and they just needed bodies, you know. And I, I was at a game where they started cam thomas they started david duke jr and kessler edwards and that was the first time they'd started three rookies since brooke lopez was a rookie and he's oh, no 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 no, yeah it was brooke lopez it was brooke lopez so uh they uh that, that's not that's been a long time he's been in the league for a long time um i, I just think the nets are their their limit is at the end of the day how how much Kyrie plays because You've seen how good they are with him. They've been, you know, I think zero and eight against teams above five hundred before last night's game. So they just struggle against those good good teams. And last question for you guys: Do we see Kyrie play at the Barclays Center this season?
0: Oh, I don't know. That's really tough. I mean, obviously the easy solution is you know he gets vaccinated, and whatever, and that that would obviously enable him to play. But, you know, I respect Kyrie, Uh, you know, standing by, you know, what he wants to do. But then again, you know, that could end up hurting their season. So, I mean, if I had to give you my prediction, I mean, I don't know how this fine thing is going to work with the Nets paying fines. They can't
2: do it. They can't do it.
0: They can't do it. Then, I mean, in terms, I mean, I'm going to have to say, it. I mean, I I want to see, you know, my heart says yes, but. My head says no. So
1: I mean, you could you could attack this question from a uh, <laughs> from like a, a, a public health uh, <laughs> like when we think that uh, like maybe like arenas will be fully like back to normal like they were kind of in like the spring um, when like we saw like arenas like return like people not having to wear masks in the, in arenas even though like now like you're supposed to but people don't really. Um, but a, a good uh, person to ask to answer this question would be Kyrie Irving. Um, <laughs> because he could just say yes and then do something about it. And then he could just play.
2: Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's I, my... I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're both Celtics fans. Uh, Will, you're, you're a Cavs fan. We've yeah. all kind of dealt with this before. And it's just so tantalizing because Kyrie Irving so good at basketball. Like when he is playing, you know, his a game when he's healthy. I don't think there's a player that's more fun to watch, and he makes such an impact on his team. Everyone says he's your favorite player's favorite player. You know, so I love watching Kyrie. Everyone wants to see Kyrie on the court, except for you know Knicks fans. Um, but I, I don't know. I personally, I think they're gonna find a way to get him full time. Quigs, what do you got? I-
1: I have one other question. I did you see that John or Chauncey Billups um, uh, this week said that uh, Kyrie Irving is like the most skilled player that he's ever seen play uh, at the position of point guard? Do you agree with that?
0: Well, you go first. <laughs> most,
1: skilled.
0: most skilled. I mean, he, he he here's, here's the thing, a though. What'd you say?
1: He also called him a magician with the ball.
0: I mean, he basically is. I mean, here's the thing. I'm not a biggest, uh, the biggest fan of these conversations, like the most skilled, the most all around, like these kind of just terms that we come up with. I mean, if I had to give an answer in terms of recent memory, probably. I mean, the the amount of things he can do is just incredible. Yeah, I mean, you go look at Steph Curry. I mean, that's the best shooter. If you look at Russ, that might be the most athletic. But, I mean, if you want to look at most skill, just, you know, just the the amount of things he can do, I'm going to have to say yes.
1: Yeah, I I mean, the way that, like, his bag of tricks, like, the way that he just, like, will make, you know, he'll, like, release a ball from, like, maybe four feet off the ground, and it'll just, you know, roll off the glass and in. Like, that's just, like, absurd to watch, and he does this very often. Um, There's not really any player that really looks or, like, is just able to just uh, basically, like, yeah, like, the way that Billups called him a magician, like, that's really what he does. He makes the ball just basically float through the air and into the hoop at ridiculous angles. And I don't think there's necessarily someone who does that to the extent that he does. Um, but obviously there are some ridiculously skilled point guards in the past, like Allen Iverson, even. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Like one of the, one of the best ball handlers of all time. And of course, Steph Curry's best shooter of all time. Um, I mean, obviously this is a very uh, subjective thing to say, Uh most skilled. It sounds pretty objective, but at bottom line, it's pretty vague uh, way to say it. And like, there's not a specific skill that he's talking about. So, I mean, yes, Kyrie's a great, a great point guard. And he's one of the most impressive to watch ever
2: play the position. I think he's, I was going to say AI, but I don't know. I think it's gotta be Kyrie. He's just so much fun to watch. And, you know, for me being able to go to Brooklyn games, cover those games, I've got my fingers crossed that I get to, you know, see him with the, you know, press pass and go up to the core. Hopefully we get Kyrie in some interviews, but we uh, don't have those answers right now. We'll have to stay tuned and also stay tuned for future episodes of Pick and Pod here on WFUV Sports signing off for Thomas Quigley and William Jing. My name's Jack Roach. Have a good evening, everyone.